When a loved one is sick, the days are long, but the years are short. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks with your hosts, me, Ramia Amuthan, and Jacob Shymansky. Hello. Also, Nisreen Abdel-Majid. Hello. Nisreen Abdel-Majid is here. She is our technical producer. We got a lot going on today. Um, as usual, we've split the pod into two sections. On the first part, we're talking about multi-voice narration audiobooks. Apparently. There's a bit of a controversy. I don't know. Differences of opinions that go on about multi-voice narration audiobooks. Strong opinions, they, at the very least. Yeah, strong opinions. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're talking, you know, audio dramas. If they're done well, they're good. If they're done badly, they can be a disjointed mess of cringe. That's what the haters say. So Sarah Hillist, who joins us monthly on the show, is going to talk about that. Also, in the second half, we're talking to Natasha Peters. She's an avid audiobook worm slash listener, and she's going to um, do rapid-fire review with us because Ooh. we just never not do that anymore. No, New we can't people? not. Yeah. It's the New best. people have to do rapid And people fire. love it. Yeah. All the feedback we get, exactly. people love it. Gonna keep I swear people... It come on the show and they're like are you gonna put me through the rapid fire review <laughs> pressure are you i really want it <laughs> so yeah so anyways uh i'll give you a glance at the sila homepage as well later but for now let's bring on sarah hillis sarah we do know your narrator with you we're doing a lot more with you nowadays and today you want to talk about multi-voice narration so obviously i did a bad job off the top talking about exactly what it is why don't you tell us Okay, so I'm going to talk about two different things, which I've just made up the terms because I needed to differentiate them oh. in my brain. So there's multi-voice narration, multi-voice narration, which in my mind means different narrators, say, narrating different points of view or different chapters or different stories in a, in a novel. So it's still a narrated novel, absolutely, but there are just more than one person doing it. Uh, full cast narrated novels are the ones that I have issues with, and we'll explain, we'll talk about this, um, because they're, they're narrated usually by a single narrator all the way through. That's great. Uh, but then there's all this, like, acting and sound effects in the middle of it, and my problem um, has often been that, I don't know, is this a drama? Is this a novel? Should I be even worrying about it? Maybe I should just go with the flow? Like, right. But, but yeah, so I just want to kind of talk about this. Uh, I have really no facts to present other than some books I'll mention. But it's just, it was just kind of something that's been on my mind for a while and I wanted to discuss it with, with you guys. Okay, so let's be clear. Like, where do you stand on this? It sounds like you have mixed feelings. Do you, like, where do you stand on this? Uh, Multi-voice narration, uh, where several narrators narrate different bits of a book, is really great uh, in many ways because it... It can help illuminate the book, especially if it's really complicated and there are lots of points of view that need to be differentiated really well. Uh, in, a, in a text, you might have them in different fonts, for example, uh, but we don't have that visual clue. So sometimes having different narrators can uh, bring out the, the main characters in, in, a, in an interesting way, like in a book like The Help by Catherine Stockett. Uh, Stockett. Um, some of the people from the movie uh, we're in we're involved in narrating the book and uh, in the 
version I read anyway. And and it was really really nice to 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 hear those different voices because it's about uh, black women and a white woman living in the South in the '60s kind of thing and very different ways of life, right? At that time, and so those those four different narrators really uh, brought brought it out well. You know that that helped. I think my problem comes when you have the, the there's even a, a third category which is which is dune uh that's that's the third category because it's weird um it's, its own category <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the renaissance audio production of dune at least the first book i think the second and third they got a little more wise about it but in the first book for sure um they tried to do a main narrator with with some sort of dramatized dialogue but it was not done consistently so you had one scene which was dramatized and the next scene with the very same characters was not dramatized. Right. And I was like, like, were the people not available? Like what was going on? Like, I, I don't know. know why they did it that way. I read so, that one too. I think you're being kind to it. I, I literally think it was God awful. <laughs> it, it really was terrible. I, I do too. I Cause guess, like the first two or three really. chapters, they were really cool. Like it was like a, an almost full cast thing and they had like subtle sound effects, which I'm totally okay with. Yeah. Like I remember, like the opening was supposed to take place on like uh, I forget where it was, but there were like these like bleep bloop sounds of what sounded like a spaceship humming along, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it was cool. I was like, all right, I'm in a sci-fi mood, and then suddenly all the sound effects are gone. It's just a straight read, and you're like, what happened? They lost the budget after three chapters. Yeah, yeah, very strange. So, um, and it's interesting. We actually have a sample from from Graphic Audio, and they're an interesting case where I I've always been sort of annoyed with them except i shouldn't be i oh, just yeah. i am but like like i love how they do their stuff but for me it's like okay the drama is so cool can you just stop narrating for one minute and let it be a drama but but that's not what they're trying to do it's just me that doesn't like it um graphic audio is great <laughs> and they're very <laughs> popular too for, for those who don't know graphic audio is a company that does audiobooks but they're fully produced full cast um, productions of usually fantasy and sci-fi books. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah, and they and they started anyway for sure as doing um, audio versions of of graphic novels. Right. So right, right, right. we can't we can't read those graphic novels well, you know, ourselves uh, as blind people. So it's really cool to to get these things done. Um, my my thing is their slogan is a movie in your mind, and it's like. No, it's not a movie because there's like three hours of narration and then maybe some drama. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but <laughs> no, I, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's a it's a great it's a they're a great company. It's just me. I, I don't know why I hate it so much. They do something very <laughs> unique um, that it's not for everyone, but the people who like it absolutely love it. They the, do. Their thing is having like very extensive and pretty amazing sound design when it comes to like sound effects and oh, atmospheres yeah. and stuff like that. Let's give you an idea. This is a clip from The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, the graphic audio version. Dalinar, come here. Sadius tells me he has won three gem hearts in the last few weeks alone. He has indeed. How many have you won? Including the one today? No, before this. None, Your Majesty. Huh. It's Sadius's bridges. They're more efficient than yours. I may not have won anything the last few weeks, but my army has won its share of skirmishes in the past. And the gem heart can go to damnation for all I care. Perhaps. But what have you done lately? I have been busy with other important things. Sadius raised an eyebrow. More important than the war? More important than vengeance? Is that possible? 
Or are you just making excuses? Dalinar gave the other High Prince a pointed look. Sadius just shrugged. They were allies, but they were not friends. Not any longer. You should switch to bridges like his. Your Majesty, Sadius's bridges waste many lives. But they are also fast. Relying on wheeled bridges is foolish, Dalinar. Getting them over this plateau terrain is slow and plodding. The codes state that a general may not ask a man to do anything he would not do himself. Tell me, Sadius, would you run at the front of those bridges you use? I wouldn't eat gruel, either, or cut ditches. But you might, if you had to. The bridges are different. Stormfather, you don't even let them use armor or shields. Would you enter combat without your plate? The bridgemen serve a very important function. They distract the Parshendi from firing at my soldiers. One thing I find notable about this type of production is the way they handle dialogue tags, which I find mm. kind of goofy. Like, it's a bit of an issue I have with it, where yeah. it's going to be two actors playing two different characters, and then randomly there's going to be... Said. yeah, Yeah, another <laughs> random voice coming and just say, he said. <laughs> it's really goofy. And that's the part that bugs me, is like, the door opens suddenly. Cha-ching! And it's like, okay, you just had to put the sound effect. You didn't have to say the door open suddenly. <laughs> yeah, he unsheathed his sword. <laughs> Which, it's wrong, but anyway. <laughs> that's the lovely sound effect. Yeah, so, that's, but the graphic audio but was would you really want these great. things described if it was a TV show? You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a lot of different question marks here, right? If this was AD, audio description, for something that included visual aspects on screen just because the sound effects are there uh, we wouldn't necessarily settle for not hearing the description of what's going on right but then i wanted to bring up kelly mcdonald in here because he's said a lot about this particular aspect of um radio old-time radio right old-time radio back in the day uh, OTR never really included this kind of stuff. You didn't need to. It was just made for radio. So people knew what sounds they were hearing. There was no third person in the background just being like, FYI, that was a door opening. So <laughs> is this the problem? You know what I mean? Like, is this the problem we're having where we're like, don't do this because it's cringe because we should already know what's going on. This is an all audio thing. So are you I saying that it's just like redundant information to Isn't to it? Have Isn't the that what you guys effect? are pointing out? Yes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It it can be. I think we're but, being haters right now. But at the yeah, same obviously. time, but as what I I'm say, saying is it's done before. It's been done before where people did not narrate, did not tell you mm. even dialogue and, tags, right? Like oh, you just assume the listener knew. But 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 because graphic audio is is adapting an actual book like into yeah. this thing, it's trying to use the sound effects in place of the pictures, right? That's what it's trying to do. So if you think about that, like in graphic novels, as far as I understand, there are the the pictures, artwork, I suppose mm -hmm. one can say, and there's also some little bits of narration in there, as far as I understand it. I've never experienced a graphic novel, obviously, but so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to take something like that, and that's that's the first premise of when they started was to try to render graphic novels into sound. So if I look at it that way, I don't hate it so much. It's just that when it's neither fish nor fowl, it kind of bothers me. <laughs> is it a drama or is it a book? Tell me well, what it well, is. Well, you use the word mm. efficiency. Is that something we want out of our books? 
like we spend 40 hours with some of these books like i don't think efficiency is something that's top of mind so to have like a sound effect accompanying every description isn't necessarily a bad thing could just put you more into the scene right like like in the clip that we listen get rid of the description yeah she's Mm. on that i think it's a different product altogether like i I really do think you know it's it's not necessarily a word for word translation it cannot be possible to take a book whether or not it has visuals right like we're talking graphic novels or just anything you know made into an audio drama pick your choice and say we got to translate this book it's just not the same way. Like there's got to be creative liberty. Um, and that includes making the decision not to add dialogue tags or not to have the redundancy of a sound effect and a description because we're like, hello, this is made for an audio experience. It's from just a completely different experience. Period. From what I understand, uh, graphic audio does do that. They do remove some uh, some yeah. dialogue tags, but not As all of them. As they should. Well, yeah. why not all? So no, so <laughs> I, 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 I have like when I first get into a graphic audio thing, it's my husband that usually lets us listen to these, and uh, I, I, I go, oh, it's gonna be one of these again. But then once I get into it, I kind of like, okay, I'm good with it now. But for it, for the first little while, I'm like, really, all oh, so much narration, and the lovely acting is so good, and the sound is so good, and then there's this narrative voice that's just doing things and I and sometimes I feel like it distracts me from the drama but then once I get into it it's it's fine but for the first little so while is it it's our like, problem it's my like problem we just need to like I think it it's the three problem. of us are on the table yeah yeah because everybody loves gra- graphic audio everybody's like cool with it they yeah love they're it. good they're very oh, no, popular, no, yeah. production value for graphic audio products are incredible incredible we know that this is not just you know they're not skating by on anything. They put in all the resources and all the the work. It's just yeah. more approach is what I'm very curious about people's opinions. Another thing I find kind of strange about graphic audio novels is when characters have internal dialogue or internal monologue, sorry, they mm-hmm. put like a little reverb, reverb effect to indicate that. I don't know if you guys noticed that. So yeah, it's that's not done the narrator, so much, though, like it's, on TV. And stuff. Yes, that's that's like a movie thing. It reminds me of The Simpsons yeah. sometimes. Yeah, you know, I was gonna sometimes say, they yeah. do, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just uh, do the really close mic thing. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. So eh? it just depends on what you're listening to, but which is great. I mean, I like that one. I like that sort of intimacy of now it's a closer mic, and it's like. I'm talking in my thoughts, and you know that, and it's cool. <laughs> I think it's important to note the graphic audio is multi-voice narration, full cast audiobooks taken to the extreme. It and really there is, is yeah. a middle ground in, like, duets, yeah. right, Sarah? Yeah, there's dual narration. Um, apparently, I haven't read any of these, but in romance, it's a it's a thing to do uh, dual narration. That's featured in Julia Whalen's Thank You for Listening book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in a funny way. But uh, yeah, and 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 other other kinds of middle grounds. Um, Good Omens by Neil Gaiman, the, the latest version, Neil, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. It's got a narrator and it's got actors and it's got a little bit of sound effect, but it's not ridiculous. And it's uh, it's it's fun. Like I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, the one I had a real problem with for myself was Philip Pullman's his Dark Materials series, which Philip Pullman narrated. Okay. He did okay with the narration, but then there was and the, and the acting was really good, but it was just one of these like 
is it a book? Am I missing any part of the book? Did they abridge it? I don't think they did, but did they abridge it? I don't know. Like I, I had all these anxieties about it. <laughs> I just wanted to read the book. <laughs> so what's an example of a book you think did multi-voice narration well? Well, for multi-voice, again, I would pick uh, The Help by Catherine Stockett. Right. Um, for the full cast thing, again, I think I think Good Omens is a good a good uh, choice from, was it 2018, I think, maybe? Um, and uh, there's lots of examples out there, I'm quite sure, that, that, are, that are great. Um, it's interesting, you know, why is it... Why is it becoming more popular to do, I guess? Is it just that people really want it done? Another really good book was Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders. Um, it's It's got a ton of different characters. It takes place in a graveyard and there's a bunch of dead people talking. It's really weird. Creepy. Um, <laughs> it's not really creepy. It's just weird. Um, very sort of literary, I guess. And mm. it has all these people doing the different chapters of from the different people's point of view and you need that because it's like it gets very confusing if you don't have it <laughs> yeah so that that was good um a short story books you know p different people reading different stories like stephen king has an awful lot most of them are cobbled together from old cassettes and that's why they're different but mm. they're some of his short story collections have different people reading different short stories um or novellas they're not really short stories <laughs> um so they work pretty well. I'm happy with those. I've seen uh, duet or duo narrations be implemented in different ways. Uh, in the Wheel of Time series narrated by um, Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, they separate it along gender lines. So there's yeah. literally like dozens of point of views in that series. But every time it's a yeah. male character, uh, Michael does it and uh, Kate does the female characters. And it just works out that it's pretty much 50-50. That it works out well, but one thing that ends up being a little strange is that they will end up voicing the same characters. Because, for example, if Michael uh, voices character A and Kate voices character B, eventually character A and character B are going to to interact in the story, right? Yeah. So exactly. Kate ends up uh, voicing a character that Michael's been doing for most of the book, and it just ends up being a bit jarring. You're like, oh, that's not what. He sounds like, oh, I, I wasn't used to that. Yeah, I haven't listened to those versions because I started with the Rosamund Pike new ones. Oh, okay. And and mm. uh, that's that you know it's a single narration which is done very well, but it's it's a lot of work. I mean, they're they're huge books, and uh, I thought it was interesting that they did have dual narration for those books because a lot of those fantasy books they don't do that. Nobody does that. No, that's a very right? unique thing between Michael Kramer yeah. and Kate Redding. They always work together. Yeah. It's a married couple that almost always yeah, does their they, books yeah. together. It's kind of their thing. Isn't yeah. it also just a newer trending thing to have duo and multi-narration and give people, it, not even just in the narration side, but in the writing side? I'm finding like a lot of YA and other more popular genres, uh, you, you know, thrillers and such that are getting a lot more written in chapters written in different perspectives like different pov and then you get that with the narration then well obviously. with the rise of audiobooks i can only imagine that authors are more cognizant that their books are going yep. to be made into audiobooks and yeah. certain books lend themselves much better to multi-voice narrations and like for example i read a book um one of us is lying by karen mcmanus that book has four different point of views, so four different narrators. 
which the book was meh, but the narration was fantastic because the book lent itself very well to that because they were strict yeah. point of views. Like um, a lot of like unreliable narrator type stuff too. Oh, so yeah. very, oh. uh, like it was easy to characterize the different pe- the different people. Yeah, no, I, I find it interesting and I, I find it interesting about like remote work and stuff like how many people actually get together in a room anymore and do it? Like probably not that many, right? Because... There's, there's, you just take it all to the studio and, and mix it or whatever. But, um, right. what is the collaboration process like? Like it's, uh, it's, it can be a lot or it can be a very little, like you do this and that's what we want you to do. Okay. I'll do that. You know, and, <laughs> and, and nobody <laughs> talks to each other, but sometimes they do. And then it's really great because they, they collaborate and that's cool. I wanted to shout out Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Um, yeah. That book wasn't necessarily a multi-voice narration, but there was some really clever sound design. So in that book, there's like basically two characters. There's the main scientist character on a spaceship and like an alien. And for about the first half of the book, it's he can't translate or interpret what the alien is telling him. So they use like some really clever sound design to... Uh, to represent the alien's dialogue, which is unintelligible. It's just these weird, like, they kind of sound like distorted strings. They're like a little electrified. It's really strange. But once he, and it's very expressive too. Sometimes they sound angry. Sometimes they sound like they're laughing. It's really cool. cool. And when he finally does manage to find a way to interpret what the alien is saying, it mixes the narrator's voice with those sound effects, like, behind the voice like at the same time yeah. it's they blend the two together and it sounds so cool i thought it was a brilliant way to represent that did it seem like it would work like was there a time uh, a transition where you had to get used to that or did it just work so well like, it just oh. worked it just worked mm. perfectly that that was a book that lent itself very well to an audiobook as well i think they're yeah. making it into a movie I mean, I think I think this this multi voice thing is getting a little out of hand though because there are a couple books where uh, <laughs> it, it, it takes, it takes five minutes to go through the credits of who's narrating these books. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but again, are we but being it, savage by saying that? Because you know, obviously, people are putting in the work because this genre—not genre, but like this platform lends itself audiobooks and such and audio experiences in, lend themselves the, so well yeah in the case of the 1619 project i think there were a lot of people that wanted to be a part of it and and partly that's that's the problem with dear that's the thing with dune too i think that especially scott brick for example who's a total dune head wanted to be in dune and so they <laughs> thought they do this you know this fan thing you know that the fans are gonna do you know and then it didn't work for some reason. And I still don't know why. I've never read up why it didn't work the way it should have. Oh, interesting. <laughs> they must have thought it was just not good. Just not good enough. I don't know. That's so funny. Yeah. Just because Another- you could doesn't mean you should, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a promotion yeah. thing, too. To be able to say that it's a multicast narration. And you see that on Audible, too. Like, there's a tag yeah, for there's it. Lots of, yeah, there's lots of um, anniversary editions. Oh, it's, yeah. it's multi, the full cast, or whatever, right? Right. If yeah, there's a popular so. book, it's it's common to like redo it in a full cast, and it's kind of like the uh, the modernized version. So people are always going to go for that one instead, right? And they can charge more for it, cynically. Yeah. Now, especially with very popular productions, you can find like the 
straight voice narration, the adaptation of an audio drama, the multicast narration, then you got the TV shows and the movies and the 50,000 other oh adaptations for screen. <laughs> like if something is big enough, it will go through all the ways, right? All the approaches, um, which I kind of think we're just going to get more and more of that as time goes. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like how video games of. are always re-releasing mm-hmm. themselves. They're like, oh, now it's available on PC. Now it's available on PS5. Oh, remaster yes. for the new Xbox. Oh, uh, remaster exactly. for the Wii, you know? <laughs> Somebody made a cameo and now it's re-released again. Like, yeah, there's just yeah. so much that could be done with it. It It is overwhelming, I think. Um, I think it takes um, a producer with good judgment to be able to say, like, no, I think a single narrator is going to serve this book better. No, I think uh, this series could lend itself well to two or three voices. Or maybe even a full cast recording. Like, I- I'm not against them. It's just, no, it's no. not my thing. I'm not going to lie. It's not my thing. But I do want to mm. shout out one book, uh, one series, actually. The Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson was yeah. a very well-produced audiobook series. Very tastefully done, too, because it is mostly a single narrator. But during the book, they consistently get like bits of audio recordings to investigate and listen to and analyze. And those audio recordings are fully produced. So yeah. it's like it's like an audio clip within the book is actually fully produced for us with multiple actors. That's cool. Yeah, I thought it was really neat. So it's it's a nice way to up the production value, but to not overdo it i thought it was very tasteful do you think that that gets into the conversation around rights though like if something is done well and somebody should make that executive decision to understand what would serve this project the best right like which approach um that's not necessarily always in the hands of one person or like the best person for that task when we're talking producers and such, because I think that's why we end up with all these situations where, you know, everything is released 500 times and some of them are good. Some of them are awful. And people are almost like easily swayed by just the argument of, oh, but it's so big. It's so well loved. Like if we're talking about the Harry Potter universe, right, you can do everything you want with it and spread it around because there's too many fans. So just based on fandom. You're thinking it should do well and not necessarily thinking of quality of or has this been done before already, but just in a different way. Well, that mentality is is the exact reason why movie studios are constantly pumping out sequels. Yeah. Yeah. They're not doing it for prequels and yeah, prequels and and stuff. Because when you have a franchise and has a big name, like it'll sell like you release a Star Wars movie. It's like made with like a Play-Doh like claymation. Like it's going to get crazy (laughs) views. Exactly. Um, well, I look at The Wheel of Time again by Robert Jordan. Um, the Kate Redding, Michael Kramer books are there. They've been there since I think the books are actually being written, um, possibly. But then because Amazon did the new series, they had Rosamund Pike do the narration. Now, yeah. because she's an awesome actress, it's cool. It's absolutely good. And it's the same company. It's Macmillan Audio again still. It's the same company. So she's a very good she's doing a very good job in my opinion of it and but it might not have worked out that way like it might have been a a crappy narration by a really good actress in the tv series but because rosamund pike is so amazing (laughs) 
yeah, I like her. Did, did you know? Uh, <laughs> um, it's it's working. It's working pretty well, I think, personally. But I didn't grow up on the the other the other versions either. So. Right. I think from the fandom, people generally have a big nostalgia factor for uh, Michael Kramer and Kate writing, just because that's what they grew up with. And to be fair, they did read like. 14 books in the series so um there's a lot of hours of their voice that have just been uh bringing them the bias to the fan base you know like i I don't think uh rosalind pike had a well i think she had a big uphill battle to fight to overtake those two well i like her so there (laughs) (laughs) um one more thing I wanted to mention that is often brought up as a complaint of multi-voice narrations. Let's be real. Sometimes one of the voices is a much better narrator than the other. Mm-hmm. Like if there's two of them and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to listen to narrator B. Like he's just not as good. He sounds goofy. Like the other one is just so much better. And it, it reminds me when I was uh, when I was listening to A Good Girl's Guide to Murder in one of those sections that I was telling you about, like the audio recording within the book. There was like a policeman character who was just a terrible actor, like out of nowhere. <laughs> Which all the other ones were good, but I I just started laughing. I couldn't take it seriously. And it's funny because everyone else was a great performer. It was just disappointing. So I think we've yeah. all established that we're not necessarily diehard fans, or if not, just you know go into this with a very trusting. You're like, I'm going to love this. I know that they'll yeah. do a great job at this. But we have pointed out good examples regardless of yeah, like people I, who've done I it well, production companies. I don't run after full cast um, yeah. dramatized narrations and I don't run after multi-narrations. But if something I know is really good and happens to be one of those things and it's done mm. well, then I'll listen to it. Yeah, it is quite nuanced. Like, we're not just saying, you know, we know that graphic audio is good and they're popular. We yeah. know that Audible puts out incredible productions as well. But we're not necessarily saying because these are reputable production companies and distributors that we're popping on the trend yet. I feel like we're a bit of a minority here, though. Yeah, I think so, too, because I I did some digging just on forums and uh, posts on Reddit and, and Facebook and stuff like that just to see, like, where people sat. When it came to multiverse narrations, and they're generally pretty popular. Like, like people really like it. I just find that when an individual narrator is taking over the entirety of the job of reading a book, you get attached to that specific voice. And even if, even though there's not that clear distinction between multiple characters' voices, as much work as the narrators put in. I feel bad to say, but eventually the voice kind of disappears and it's really the words that matter. But that's what the narrators often want. Do you agree with that? They totally want that. They want to not be them. They want the words to come alive for you. So if they're doing their job well, their voice kind of disappears. It's not about them, where when I think there's a multicast recording, that doesn't happen. You just hear actors instead of hearing the words and the meaning behind the words. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's the one of the roots of of my annoyance with it. I think, mm. I think you've hit it. I think I couldn't articulate it before, but I think you've actually hit that. Because when I'm reading a book, I want to listen to the flow of the language, right? Which it, it makes me feel so bad to say that because I know how much work narrators put in. 
it, just oh, yeah. for them to to disappear. But it's <laughs> but but they want that. Mm. A lot yeah. of them say that they, they do, actually yeah. they like. Oh, good. I'm not I'm not the center of this book. The words are the center of this. Because book. at the end of it, it is an adaptation, right? It's yeah, an adaptation of something true. that yeah. already exists. It's not Everything something is. that we're creating from scratch in no. this way this is a trend not necessarily a translation like i said i don't want it to be but it is a another creative lens on yeah. a product that already exists which was the written book yeah sarah with that i want to thank you so much for bringing this topic forward because i think we all have strong opinions on this uh like rem said i think we're in the minority like just because you like these like don't don't come after us <laughs> No, no. I, yeah, I think I think we're just picky, yeah. picky people. We are picky. Yeah, we are. We're all pretty picky. As we should be. Yeah, but thank you so much, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. We're gonna take a break and come back with Natasha Peters. She is our avid audiobook worm that is going to get put through the paces for rapid fire review. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. We're going to get to a chat with an audiobook worm shortly, but in the meantime, let's have a glance at the CELA homepage. These are the three featured titles that are up there at the Center for Equitable Library Access on their homepage right now. That's celalibrary.ca. The mystery guest, Molly the Maid Number 2 by Nita Prose, suspense and thriller title. Next one. Oath and Honor by Liz Cheney, Politics and Government Biography. And the final one up there is The Bill Murray's by Jan Arden. And this is a gentle mystery. Go back to that conversation we had about genres and subgenres and sub-subgenres, because then you might get a better idea of what a gentle mystery is if you already don't have one. Okay, Jacob and I are going to introduce our next guest, who is an avid audiobook listener slash bookworm and a friend slash connection of our contributor, Amir Khan. So shout out to Amir for always being, you know, really good at associate producing. We appreciate it. Orientation and mobility instructor who works for VLRC. What does it stand for? Vision Lost Rehab Vision, Canada. Thank you, Natasha. Oh, there, you go. there you go. Vision Lost <laughs> Rehab Canada, which... Obviously, I knew. Okay, I was just testing everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Natasha Peters is here. It's nice to have you on. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And since not everybody knows, what is an orientation and mobility instructor? What's the short version? If you're losing your vision or you have no vision, I'm the one that comes in and teaches you how to get around safely and effectively with the use of a cane or without a cane. Well, there you go. And if you are low vision or have no vision, it's really nice to have audiobooks. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Let's get to a rapid fire. Maybe review. not. Maybe not while you're walking, but yes. No. Good. Yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> you ever done that, Ramya? No. Are you walking around? Mm, no. Okay. Have you? <laughs> it may have happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, heard that, I heard that guilt in your laugh. <laughs> yes. Okay, so are we priming our guest with rapid fire review? Of course we are. This is where we give... I've never had to explain this game. Give it a go. Oh, dear. Okay, so this is where we have asked you, the guest, for five titles, maybe six. Uh, We'll get to that shortly. And we give you 15 seconds on the clock, hardcore, to describe this book to us or tell us why you love it or, you know, whatever you want in 15 seconds to give us a sneak peek of the title. So, Natasha, have 
you prepared? Are you yes. ready? Yeah? I think so. Okay. All right. Here is the first book you gave us. Stone Barrington series by Stuart Woods. Cozy thriller, cop turned high priced lawyer, sexy gigolo type, James Bond. <laughs> sexy <What>? gigolo type? <laughs> Was it good? <laughs> it's very good. Okay. He's always finding himself in trouble. Oh, that's where we get you. Okay, okay. We have to go back to sexy gigolo type. Um, Let's move to number two. Clean Hands by Patrick Hoffman. Fast-paced thriller. Interconnecting stories. um, A lot of conspiracy theories. Things you think the government is doing, but you're not really sure. And is corporate behind it. Very interesting. It makes you think a lot. Oh. Oh, that was okay. That was good. Things you think that the government, oh, okay. it's like a, like your first foot in the door to conspiracy theories. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, it's the start of the pipeline to the conspiracy yes. theory world. You don't yeah. know what's happening, but it is happening. Also, you may not even realize you're a conspiracy theorist. And then you pick That's up the right. book and you're like, yes, uh, I am. That's right. Mm, you don't see yourself change, eh? All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next one. An Ocean Apart by Sarah Lee. Immigrant story. So if you're a first-generation anything um, or mainly um, West Indian, this is a great story telling about, you know, what your parents went through to get you where you are now. Very great for Black Month coming up. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm curious about that one, too. Um, Next one is Age of Vice by Debbie Kapoor. Too long, too long, too long. A lot of good characters, a lot of good stories, but not really going anywhere. It could have been cut by half. Oh. Wouldn't recommend. <laughs> wow, I think that's the first time that's happened on this Where show. Where somebody picked a rapid-fire review for wow. a book they did not Just enjoy. Just to trash it. Yeah. I love it. Nice. <laughs> I like that. We're not going to start well, adding because that. It, it's, it's on those bestseller lists, and I'm like, why? Why? Uh, uh, okay. It does feel better to trash a book that's being like critically acclaimed. Because then you're like, what's the big deal? I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. get it. All right, next mm-hmm. one is Fourth Wing from the Empyrean series by uh, Rebecca Yaris. So this is a new book that's come out. It's very popular. The great thing about this book, if you're into fantasy, are the dragons. Everything else, hmm. It's, it's. I would deem it more YA, but great, great dragon story if you're into that sci-fi stuff. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. What's cool about the dragon specifically? Well, each dragon is um, tied to a rider, and they have a connection. And if if that connection is broken, there are consequences. I'm not going to say. Okay. So, yeah. And it's um, school-based. So you've got that, you know, academic, you know, um, thriller. Some people like that, like academia, literature, Think Harry Potter, but more violent. Oh. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, wait, now I want to read it. Yeah, that actually sounds <laughs> yeah. really more cool. More violent, because right. that's what yeah. Harry Potter was missing, right? So mm. Yeah. If you if if you like a di- uh, violence, that's the book for you. Okay. <laughs> if you like to read about violence. Yes, yeah, yes. Let's be clear about yeah, this. Let's, yes, um, uh, definitely mm. be clear about that. <laughs> okay. 
This book is for violent <laughs> individuals. Yeah. Okay, so now I know why we picked six books, because one of them you wanted to trash, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is the last one for Rapid Fire Review with Natasha. No mm-hmm. Crystal Stare, a documentary novel of life and work of Louis Michaud, Harlem bookseller by Von de Michaud Nelson. This book is for book lovers. This is a story about a man who came from modest beginnings and felt that reading is important and wanted to put reading into the hands of those in, um, in of minorities. Okay. Yeah. Mm. He's a book. He's a black bookseller and he was very in- influential in uh, people like Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, very great read. Listen, um, it's a short one. I was able to finish it in a day. I uh, so there's kind of the biographical about this, but obviously the you know expansion of literature and class and all this other stuff that comes up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, which sounds yeah. very very interesting. Which one of these books do you want to expand on? Um. I'll say the last one. Okay. Just Mm -hmm. simply because um, as we're going into February, which is Black History Month, um, people try to steer their reading focus to more um, Black authors or people of color authors. And I think this is a really important one because it tells the story of why this man thought reading was important and especially for people of color. Mm. Um, when he opened his bookstore, this isn't really a spoiler. The bank manager wouldn't give him a loan because he said black people don't read. And, uh, you know, wow. you, yeah, yeah. And that's a powerful statement. And at the time, other people were saying that to him too. And that's why he thought it was very important to open this bookstore, to expand people's horizon. And it just showed how he had people coming into his bookstore and he would give away books just so people would get that bug of and the desire that we have of reading. So it's a great listen. It's very easy to follow along and it's enjoyable. I know not a lot of people are into nonfiction and I would say I'll read one nonfiction, you know, a year. I like more of a story when I'm hearing a long fiction as opposed to, I did this, I did that, Yeah. right? And so this gives you a story from his beginning to the end of his life. And it's not written by him. Um, no. So I'm always curious about when, you know, biographies are written about people or, yeah. Mm. Uh, does it really capture his intention? I feel it does. I feel it does. Because like I said, his intention was to expand the reading of everyone, but especially of people of color. Mm -hmm. And at the time when he he opened his bookstores, which was in like the 40s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 40s or 50s. Mm -hmm. So the conversations, the conversations around that time in the 40s. Um, compared to the conversations we now have about literacy and even the approaches are obviously so vastly different, Natasha. Like mm-hmm. opening a bookstore and then saying like, colored people need to read, come pick up your books here, I guess is is a very direct way of m- messaging. But also it's like, who's teaching who how to read? You know, where's the where are the gaps being um, closed? Yeah. Did they get into details about that? No, I think it was more of economics, like 
you know, most people of color at the time, they were just trying to survive. And reading is a luxury, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to sit down and to take the time to read a book and enjoy it isn't something that everyone, especially at that time, had the luxury of doing. Mm, But, you know, just opening their eyes to, hey, it doesn't have to be a long book. You don't have to finish it very quickly. If you can't afford to buy a book at my bookstore, you can always go to the library, get a library card. So, but if you're interested in, you know, your history and as a people of where you come from and what is happening to us as a people and why we're being oppressed, it's good to go to a black bookstore and find that out. And that's what he offered. And I'm sure there was a lot of pushback even from the community around that yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm because there's the socioeconomic and then there's the shaming of uh being literate and or illiterate i guess as well the shaming like you know where you're not necessarily people may have looked down upon you for reading for wanting to be informed for wanting to educate not just yourself but push the message of education around you because at that time it's like not even that's not even priority for most of us. Mm. Just goes and to that's, show and how that's, much. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, it just goes to show how much that was a bold move to open a bookstore yeah, at, in exactly. that place in that time. And yeah. if, you're, if you're interested in that book, that's uh, No Crystal Scare, a documentary novel of life and work of Louis Michaud, Harlem Bookseller by Vanda Michaud Nelson. Mm. So we're... Uh, curious about your audiobook listening natasha do you listen mm-hmm. to a lot of audiobooks versus reading physical books i am exclusive audiobook listener oh ah. exclusive okay exclusive. Uh, was this a decision yeah. you made like what happened um my job <laughs> when i started working as an o and i'm walking around with canes all day and i was walking around with heavy books mm. which had an effect on me physically on my shoulder and things like that so oh. i needed a way to you know still be able to read and i was worried at first oh i'm gonna fall asleep you know i don't know if this is is for me right um but then i was listening to podcasts and i was thinking well i don't fall asleep listening to a podcast why would I think it would be any different with a book? So I started with one, and then it went from there. Huh. And now mm-hmm. uh, you only read audiobooks. So let's get kind of into it. Are mm-hmm. you? Do you have any feelings, partiality between full-cast narrators or multi-narration versus just like straight, plain read? I like a multi-class narration, but I'm okay with just a read. But, you know, when the narrators make it interesting, sort of like a movie, it makes it better. Like it the makes audio it, dramas uh, and such? Yes, exactly. Oh, you enjoy it. makes it, okay. it more, in- yeah, it makes uh, more interesting and fun experience. Hmm. And, you know, when they have the accents and everything like that, that's always fun. I'm always happy when they get the Caribbean accents correct. Because oh, that's yeah. not <laughs> representation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's always great. Yeah. Right. It is impressive when an individual narrator can make a book cinematic because I know exactly what you mean. It's when a mm. book is well-performed, it really does seem cinematic. Although that is a yes. little easier to achieve when it's a cast narration. Yes. It feels more like yes. an audio drama, like a, like a, mm. like yeah. a fully produced thing. Uh, I have another question for you. Do you have any 
pet peeves when it comes to audiobooks? Anything about them? Um, not really. I, I've had good experiences with them. Sometimes there's glitches, but for the most oh. part, um, I wouldn't say I have any pet peeves. Oh. Unless they're not available. That's, mm. you know, yeah. I've been trying to get Trevor Noah from, you know, the library forever, but they don't have the audio version. Born I a Crime? To buy audio. Yes. They don't have the audio version. That's a crazy no. popular book, too. Oh, my god! Exactly. That's inexcusable. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think, I think Audible wants you to buy it, but if you don't want to buy it, then you're, I don't know, but I, I haven't been able to get it. So that's frustrating about audiobooks, not getting the titles that you really want to read. It's true. Sometimes you really have to hunt them down. Because mm-hmm. you get it from Libby or Audible yeah, or Sela. You have so many places yeah. to get them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, oh, but this platform has has it with this narrator. And I don't want that narrator. I want this other one. And then you have to do some research to get mm-hmm. the version that you actually want. I had something happen yes. to me recently where I was listening to a book. And when I went back to it, it like skipped like four hours ahead. No. And I was oh, so wow. confused. And I was like, wait, <laughs> something's <laughs> when wrong. Did you realize? It took me like 20 <laughs> minutes to find the spot that I was at. I was so mad. Oh, that's the worst. Okay. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've uh, a lot of us have talked about just the um, transition. Sorry, Sila, I love you, but there were transitional periods where they were kind of um, updating, upgrading platforms. And with Dolphin Easy Reader, which is you know, if you mm-hmm. don't want to pay for an app, you can use Easy Reader to get on the Sila the catalog. Anyway, there was a, a couple months where it was an absolute nightmare trying to huh. get your book to sync on your device. And so with Addie mm. LaRue, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which I shout out that book all the time, which is a very long book, by the way. How, do you remember how long it was? It was David? 17 hours. 17 hours. Mm. And in the middle of a read, it would just jump you back to the beginning. And oh. <laughs> this happened to me five times. And maybe that's why I love the book so much, because I've had to actually work. <laughs> uh, it's a sunk read. cost fallacy thing. Yeah. It's like, I yeah. can't, I can't, I have to love this book now. Uh, I had to restart it like five times. You know, it was pretty brutal. But yeah, these kind of things do target your reading experience, Natasha. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for sure. What yeah. do you think of speeding up books? Oh, love it. Okay. Love it. <laughs> Team speed up. Okay. How much? Yes. How much? I can either do 2.5 or 3. What? What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, you can't. Pause. On Audible? <laughs> like, are you, w- no, or... no, I'm... I'm I'm on Libby. Okay, okay. I'm mainly okay. on on Libby. Yeah. For two point five or three. Now, do you remember the book when you finish? Most of the time, if it's memorable. <laughs> Sometimes I have to go back. Like, what was this one about? But you know what? Oh my! If, if 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 the narrator has an accent and it's a heavy accent, like a Scottish accent or an Irish accent that I'm not too familiar with, yeah. I will slow it down to a two. And then if at night, if I want to doze off, I'll do 1.5. 1.5 for dozing? Dozing. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, that's that's stunning. I'm that's by far the fastest shocked. I've ever heard someone yeah. read an audio. But I didn't even know it went up to three. I, I would yeah. I'd take a lot of hits for speeding up my books, Natasha, but never have I ever. Yeah. 2.5. I just find it... Yeah, like uh, for for Libby, that's okay uh, for me. My husband's like, "What is that you're listening to?" And I'm like, "Oh my book!" Yeah, this He's is like, rivaling like screen reader like- at a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. So I go through a lot of books. 
I go, no I kidding. go through a lot of logs. But yeah. I was having this convo with my brother about mm. binge culture, okay? Now, hear me out. Because it's the same. Yeah. Yes, because you're watching TV shows. Like, a season of a TV show will come out, right? The Bear. Mm-hmm. Season two comes out. We just absolutely run through it in a night. All 10 episodes yeah. or 12 episodes or whatever. And then the next day, next week, we're like, what happened? Oh, I got to rewatch that season. I have no, I know I loved it, but I can't retain it. Mm. And that's yes. kind of the way that yeah. I parallel speed reading. Well, if and, you enjoyed it. And sometimes it, I do feel that. Yeah. Yeah. If you enjoyed it during the time that you're watching it, isn't that all that matters? Like, is it important is it, to though? retain? Like, do you value retaining it? Well, you should. You're not studying maybe. it for a test. Okay, that's fair. But then what happens when season three comes out? Now you got to go watch season one and two again because you can't remember why you loved the show and You're who the characters are. You're going to watch are. a recap video. Well, it depends. No. it depends. It depends on how long it is between the series, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, But if, if you can't if remember your book the next week, should we, should we then, be questioning yeah. that a little? Maybe I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, <laughs> but then then it says to me it wasn't that great of a read, and it was just for entertainment. Oh no! Mm. I think we got to do a test study on this. Test our reading Maybe. comprehension. No, like oh. retention. Oh. Oh. No, not reading comprehension. Come on, <laughs> this is gonna be a well. Just think about it. Podcast. Like, <laughs> I, I think you retain what you like about the book, right? And yes. the feeling yeah. that the book gave you. The not feeling, so much yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally fair. Yeah. You, you remember what it left you, how it left you feeling, right? Mm. So you, oh, that's this right. book was so depressing. But, like, that's all you remember from it. I don't even want to remember it. it. Yeah, yeah, I don't even want to remember <laughs> yeah, it. It was just exactly. dramatic. Or, this book was so funny. And then you're like, okay, tell me one section of it that you thought was funny and you can't, can't name a single remember. one. But I can't exactly. wait for the next one to come out with this <laughs> yeah, author. Exactly. Oh, my. Natasha, awesome speaking with you. Oh, it was great speaking with you guys. Yeah. Um, I love talking books. Yeah, exactly. And we love talking books with people as well. Also, you know, thanks for putting us on a new version of Rapid Fire Review where you bring an extra book that you disliked. You can trash it in 15 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Welcome. All right. Take care. We'll chat with you again soon. Okay. Thanks. Thanks again. We're speaking with Natasha Peters, our audiobook worm for this week. Exclusive audiobook worm. I love hearing that from people. Like, I don't even pick up books Exclusive. anymore unless they're audio. Well. Uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about hunting for our next read, seeking out, receiving, giving personal recommendations. You think it's an art, huh, Jacob? I think it is an art, yeah. I think mm-hmm. there's so much to it. If, Like, tell me right now that you take every single recommendation that's given to you seriously. Nah. Exactly. Nah. What, what is it that makes a good book recommendation? Exactly. I've heard people recommend me books, and I just went... Nah. nah. Also, like sometimes it's not even a direct recommendation. Like a guy on TikTok will say present a book so well. I'm like, I'm picking it up now. Like, yeah, this literally that's happened to me over the holidays. Yeah. No, there's an art, and I think being a bookworm, it a huge part of that is looking for your next read, mm. and that involves a ton of searching and book recommendations and whatnot. So All right, I, I think there's a lot it. to this. Yeah, I I have a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah. Uh, so we do have a question for the book club as well that we're posing along these lines how do you personally decide to take book recommendations seriously you can also call us and email us your feedback about the show or about the specific question 1-866-509-4545 feedback at ami.ca that's it 
That's it for us this That's week. That's it. Yeah, we'll be back next week because we are a weekly podcast. I'm your host, Ramia Umbadan, with co-host and producer, Jacob Shymansky, technical producer, Nisreen Abdel-Majid. And until next time, happy audiobook listening. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.